The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 157 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And as a reminder, this is our last uh, real episode. We will have one more episode where I'll just give some thoughts on the show and kind of a a new listener guide. I'm not sure when that will come out. It may or may not be on a, a Monday morning, but we are working on that. But this is our final episode, our final conversation. And uh, it's a great conversation. Alyssa Edwards, the youngest female seminary teacher in the history of the church education system. She has a new show coming out on Covenant Communications, uh, along with Clint Pulver, our old friend of the show, and he has joined us in studio as well. It was so fun to catch up with Clint uh, and to get to know Alyssa. It's just a great, great uh, conversation coming up for you. And this week in my Latter-day life, I am so, so grateful. It's all coming up. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, right here in the Latter-day Live studios, it is my absolute pleasure to have two guests here. Now, we have, in the history of the show... We have only had two people who have come back twice. We now have a third, uh, an absolute favorite of the show, first of all, Clint Pulver. Welcome back to the show. What's up, Sean? Oh, man, it's so good to have you back. You were one of our earliest guests, and it's just great to have you back here. But unfortunately for you, the focus, the spotlight is all about a young lady sitting across from me. As it should be. Uh, and that is Alyssa Edwards. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks. Oh, it's great to have you here. Now, we have both of you here because you've got a project that's coming up uh, that you're doing along with Hank Smith that we're going to be talking about quite a bit and how the listeners can check that out. But first, we got to get to know Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa, we've never met before, so I'm excited to have you here and to get to know you. Why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about uh, where you're from? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Las Vegas, mm. and I have, like, my roots run deep in Vegas. I love Las Vegas more than a lot of things on this earth. So lived the majority of my life there, and then I went up to Utah State for, for school well, I want to talk about Las Vegas. Oh, I want... me too. <laughs> That's great. We definitely want to talk about Las Vegas because uh, one of my absolute best friends in the world lives in Las Vegas. And we always have these discussions about how there are two Las Vegases. There's the Las Vegas that you see when you go visit Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, the strip, the shows, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Tell us about your Las Vegas. Um, right next door. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so funny. Like all growing up, I'd go to EFYs or even when I went to college, people were like, oh, you're from Las Vegas, like this mystical land, thinking that my parents and I like lived in a casino and were strip performers. I don't, I don't know. It's, <laughs> but like I had a, a normal growing up experience. Um, we live maybe 20 ish minutes away from the strip. Mm. Um, and it was my parents, and then I'm the oldest of four girls, so I have three younger sisters, and we, I I love Las Vegas a lot because we do have this like very showy, very sparkly aspect. Um, but some of the best people I've ever met were the ones that I grew up around, and and people yeah. don't realize how strong the church is in Las Vegas. It is very very strong. A lot of members of the church. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. Uh, I mean, not big enough yet to have release time seminary. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's like, coming. Maybe, maybe one day, I don't know. But um, yeah, the, I mean, I, I think it has a pretty strong foundation down there. But you run into a lot of people who have misconceptions about Vegas, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We had Ken Craig on the show, and they lived in, in uh, Las Vegas for many years. He used to tell people, oh, yeah, I'm in the MGM Fourth Ward. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they, they assumed and yeah uh, that he must be a blackjack dealer because he lives there but right what a cool place is your family still there uh, my parents are still there yeah cool. um and all of my sisters were all scattered through utah 
either going to well actually yeah they're all going to school how many kids uh four girls four girls i know it was the cutest house ever (laughs) lots of tutus lots of glitter that is awesome very very cool uh Mm -hmm. and you were raised in the church yes born and raised Mm -hmm. okay so you know in your formative years your junior high high school what were you what were you into what was your thing theater (laughs) my my parents went to every single show I was ever in. Were you a musical theater, a dramatic? Oh, yeah. Musicals all the way. Yeah. You're all, a singer? Uh, I like to sing. <laughs> I <laughs> There's a big distinguishing line there. Yeah. I don't know if a singer is the right title. I enjoy, I enjoy singing a lot. But yeah, I did a lot of theater, student council. Um, I was pretty involved in my parents' like always supported and showed up to every single dance recital, every single musical, every single choir show. Like, I don't know how parents do it, but they did it nonetheless. It's impressive. Mm -hmm. I'll just say it becomes a joy. It definitely (laughs) becomes a joy. Um, Yeah, it really is. You see your kids, you actually want to go see it. But part of it too is because you've spent a fortune on it. Yeah. And you go, this is how I get my money back. Yeah, watching a high school production of Annie. (laughs) By watching it. Did you have a favorite show you were in? Um, probably I was in this show. It's not super well known. Everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten, Mm. um, in 10th grade. And it's just this cute, like the life lessons that you learn in kindergarten is what you need to like live your life by like being nice to everyone, washing your hands. Like how cool. Yeah, it was, it was so darling. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So you graduate from high school. Where did you go from there? Did you come to Utah right after Utah that? Utah State. Hey, Aggies all the way. Yeah. Utah State. All right. So why Utah State? Um, well, <laughs> so my mom's originally from Cache Valley. And so I have family up in Logan. And my parents, they, like the rule is, is when you graduate, like you go to school. And when they say you go to school, you go to school in Utah. Um, <laughs> and that's it. And when they say you go to school in Utah, my options were really... BYU or Utah State and all of the LDS kids in Las Vegas. Like that's what, if you were a member of the church, you went to BYU. And I was like, don't tell me what to do. So (laughs) I got in and then I said no. And I went to Utah State. All right. So I find this with a lot of our guests and just a lot of people I meet generally. If you live outside of Utah you either go to BYU or you specifically do not go to BYU. Whether it's USU or whether it's any other school, UVU is a little bit different. Uh, but as far as Utah State and and uh, University of Utah, you might as well just say not BYU. Did you feel that way? It sounds like it a little bit. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to just like follow the norm of what I was supposed to do. Not that I was like this rebellious human. I just... There's no commandment to go to BYU. Yeah, I didn't go to BYU. Yeah. And I know? just felt very drawn to Utah State, partly because that's like where my grandparents and some of my aunts and uncles and cousins live that I didn't, like I would see maybe two or three times a year. Right. And so to be in a place where I was close to them, it just felt very like endearing and where I needed to be. So... And Logan is beautiful. Oh, it is like the secret gem of Utah. Right? It's... The hard thing is you got to get there. Oh, and yeah. And during summer, that's great. Winter, Sardine Canyon. Crazy. Nightmare. Like I'm pretty sure Satan froze hell over there. <laughs> yeah. I used to work for a company up there and I'd go up once a month for two or three days in wintertime. It's hard, but beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a lot of open land and stuff. Yeah. How was your college experience? Oh, my gosh. I feel so bad for everyone in college right now because... College was the best. Yeah. I loved college. And then my I have a little sister. Well, all of my younger sisters are attending college, but one of them is a freshman this year mm. at Utah State. And I just am like, oh, little sis, like, I feel like your college experience, because I, I loved college. I love social life. I, my grades, <laughs> if you could grade my social life, my social life was an A+. <laughs> my grades were not that. Yeah. But I felt like I, it was a time for me to really like, fall into who I wanted to be. Awesome. What did you know what you were going to study when you got there or <laughs> Um well first I started my major in English and I only kept that for one semester because I got a scholarship for $500 to say that was my major. <laughs> 
Easy. <laughs> Check. Used that $500. Changed my major to religious studies. Wow. And my parents were like, uh, what are you going to do with a degree in religious studies? And I was like, I don't know, study religion, which I love. <laughs> I love talking about religion. I love studying religion, like all religions. Yeah. Um, I think they're absolutely beautiful. And I think you learn a lot about a person um, by what they identify themselves uh with and so my parents like kind of talked me out of that one so I changed my major again but I was like I don't I don't know what to study like I so I took a careers class and my top three careers at the end of the course like we were given like three career choices my Mm. first one was a tv personnel my second one was a pastor and then my third one was a speech language pathologist wow (laughs) so I'm, I'm catching that you're comfortable talking I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of those careers involve a whole lot of talking, yeah. so that's yeah. great. So I didn't think the first two were going to work out very well. Um, so that day I went and changed my major to speech-language pathology awesome. and rode that train out. Well, I changed it, was at school for like another semester, and then I went on a mission and then came back and mm. finished and graduated. Where did you serve your mission? Oh, this beautiful country called Guatemala. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. How was your mission? <laughs> it was uh it I it was great. Um yeah. but I feel like as as great as it was was like as terrible mm-hmm. as it was. And I all at all of the people who ever told me the mission was the best two years of your life, I think they're lying. I think they are mm. wrong. I think they need to adjust that and say it was the best years for my life. Okay, yeah. But if it was the best years of your life, like we need to go to therapy together <laughs> and we need to navigate what's wrong with your life. And perhaps that's like just a misconception of my mission because it's hard. Yeah. Um, it's brutal. Like it's hot and it's uncomfortable. And I also had like a couple operations on my mission. Mm. I got dengue fever a couple of times. Like it wasn't. I like that you throw that out there. I got dengue fever a couple of times. Yeah. Like <laughs> almost died. I got blisters. I got blisters. I also got dengue fever. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's, that's brutal. Yeah. I, I think it's important though, because we, we've had two guests who their area of specialty is, is early return missionaries and the, the big thing that both of them said is, I wish someone had told me how hard it was. I went out hearing best two years, everything else, or best year and a half, whatever. I, it's going to be wonderful, and it's yeah. life-changing, and you never want to go home. Then get there. It's hard. And yeah, out, it's out of monster. fairness to the best two years crowd, I'm almost 50. Time has a way of eroding the negative. <laughs> I remember the positives. If I go deep down into those places in my heart and brain, I remember that it was hard as heck. Yeah. But, but what, what has bubbled to the top is the great memories. Does that sound right, Clint? Yeah. yeah, You're still so young, but I mean, it over years, you start to forget about some of the, Mm -hmm. the difficulties, right? Totally. Which that makes, and, and that's something that, so I actually returned home early from my mission as well. Okay. Um, After my second operation, uh, they were like, you're not going to make it down here. You need, you need help from the United States. How long were you out? I was out for 13 months. Yeah. Uh, And I, when I first, like the week that I came home, I didn't want to unpack my suitcases because I was like, I'm going back out. I'm going Mm. back out. Like, I don't care if it's Guatemala. I don't care if it's like stateside. I don't care if I'm just serving in my parents' mission. Like I, it didn't matter. But as time went on and like, things were surfacing i was like okay like i'm in real life now where um like i'm like settling into these things and recognizing like there are there is a lot more wrong with me than what i had uh recognized at first but um like my mission was life-changing and the person who i am right now I don't think i could be who i am without those experiences behind me for Sure. sure I one of our guests pointed out that the wording in a mission call is really important, which is it is anticipated that you will serve eighteen months, twenty four months, whatever it is, yeah, and that that word anticipated is really important because mm-hmm. the Lord knows how long you're going to be out. He knows what's going to happen. 
Right. But what a tremendous experience. So does this, having come home early, does it give you a different perspective on on missions and serving a mission? Oh, totally. Like, uh, I think it's given me a lot more empathy and a lot more compassion towards um, towards just like humans and experiencing those things. Um, it's not like prior to my mission, I never experienced anything that was difficult. Like we're mortals, hard things happen sure. all the time. Uh, but coming home was the hardest thing that happened to me up to that point. Um, and I think, I think the dynamic is changing especially like since COVID and a lot of people had to come home and right. we're working on receiving new mission calls or people had to come home and stay home because they were immune compromised or whatever. But when I came home, there was some pretty uh, harsh comments that were said to me about not being truly repentant or God was punishing me because of things that I, because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing on my mission. People uh, said this to you. Uh, yeah. And those things like, they hurt really bad because none of those people were present to like like sleepless nights or walking 10 to 12 miles a day to try and navigate these like small well massive areas but these small little like towns that were in these big areas and like walking through floods and having Mm. rats swim by you in these floods like nobody was present for any of that, you know, yeah. and but I think I think that dynamic is changing, and as a whole, we're becoming a little more compassionate and a little more empathetic, rather than like either you finished or you didn't finish. Yeah. But there is, I I don't. I'm afraid that even I I have definitely fallen into this, but I try to like make things very black and white to try to understand them more. Uh, but the more experiences I have, like it's not just black and white. Absolutely. When when I was younger, it was very much you finished, meaning you served 18 months or two years, or you failed. Right. You did one or the other. Right. And that's, so, that's the furthest thing from the truth. It is not, it is definitely not you finished or you failed. It's you finished. If you went out for a day, and you didn't go back out, you served your mission, and that's between you and the Lord to figure out. Right. Um, I think President Uchtdorf, Elder Uchtdorf had, I think Elder Uchtdorf had tremendous uh, advice on this when he said, stop it. <laughs> Just stop. It's not your business. Right. Shut up. You know, ask people about their mission, about the experiences they did have, mm-hmm. and be happy that they're home with you. So. Right. So you got home, and how long was that adjustment period of... Maybe I'll go out. Maybe I won't again. Um, it so I got home like mm, I really don't know what day I got home. I yeah. <laughs> I I just like try and tune it out. Um, it was in June. It was the uh, get this. It was the day of my sister's high school graduation. Mm, what's the uh, day you got Carly, home? I'm so sorry. Still, like <laughs> it, like this. So she was valedictorian. She worked so hard, and like this day was all about her. Like, look what you've done. Like, you are so amazing. And they're like, not even a full 24 hours before her graduation was when my family got the call that I was coming home. It's not so fast, Carly. I Yeah, like, <laughs> sorry, this is actually not about you. Like, hi, everyone. I'm jaundice. Love me. I'm kind of pathetic right now. <laughs> I felt so bad. I still feel so bad. But my sister is like, she's very gracious. And she's also very like, she's very meek. And she doesn't like the spotlight. Like if it's me and her together, she'll just stand next to me and like support me and be like, everyone look at her and just hold up the signs of love. Family support. Oh yeah, she's great. So I came home beginning-ish of June. um, And probably by mid-July, I was like, well... Number one, they told me in order to go back out, my health had to be at a certain place. And every single week at the doctor's, like it just kept declining. Mm. And so my health, number one, was a signal. And then um, in mid-July, I was like, this isn't going to work. Like I need to get my my next steps in order. So I like called up my college counselor and yeah. was like, hey, I know I wasn't going to be back till like start school in January, but I need to get into classes. Is there any way? And she was like, yeah, whatever you need, I can make it work. And 
she slid me right on in. So started right back, back into school. classes. Yeah, in August. Did you end up finishing your degree with uh, in speech pathology then? I did. I did, yeah. which I'm so grateful I did because like I ended up meeting my best friend that semester when I came home and um, I was surrounded with exactly who I needed to be and the teachers that I needed. It was very, awesome. yeah. So I understand though that you did not go into speech pathology. <laughs> was there a time that you, you started to or that you were going to or tell, tell us about the path from there? Yeah. So that was my plan the whole time. Mm. I loved it. I really, really loved it. Uh, but my that sister I was telling you about, Carly, uh, we were trying to figure out an institute class to take together. So when I came home, it took me it took me a long time to get my mental health um, and my physical health back in yeah. check. And so my sister was like very much my like guardian and my safe place. And she always was like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, And so we took an institute class together and the only class we could make work was a teaching seminary and institute class, mm. which I'm sure, sure Carly was not thrilled about, but she would do anything that I needed her to do and I needed her to be with me. Uh, so we took that class and uh, the institute teacher needed a substitute for a seminary teacher who was picking his daughter up from a mission and they were like taking a week long trip or whatever. So he asked me if my schedule fit and it did. And so I went into this class just cold, like never have taught seminary before. And, uh, at the end of the week he came and observed me and he told me that I was, uh, moderately good at teaching and that maybe I should look into it. Mm. And I'm pretty mediocre at everything. And so to hear that I was moderately good at something <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> um, was like, that was a very, like a very clear sign that I needed to pursue it. Yeah. So I started to pursue seminary, but I heard that there's only like a 10% higher rate. Yeah, and, I've heard that. Yeah. What are the odds that I would get picked over these hundreds of people, you know? So I still pursued speech and language pathology because it was something that I was genuinely passionate right. about. So then how did you end up making that transition? Tell us what you do now. I am a seminary teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and now I I got word, by the way, the, the PR people for Covenant are just awesome. They raved about you so much. Oh What's my. funny is they said, you already know how awesome Clint is. But they raved about you, Alyssa. Um, and they said that you are the youngest seminary teacher, or maybe it was female seminary teacher, ever hired. Is that true? Yeah, that is true. The youngest yes. ever. Yeah. That's I mean, a big deal, right? I don't, I don't have that much competition. <laughs> There's not very many <laughs> sisters coming into the system, uh, which I try and recruit all the girls. Yeah. Me, you are great join me. <laughs> um, yeah, I... When did you start teaching seminary? Uh, I started full-time in 2017, mm. but I taught, I student taught a year and a half prior yeah. to that. What do you love most about teaching seminary? The youth. Yeah. Well, and Jesus, like the two of them together. Yeah. Like I, 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 hate when people dog on teenagers mm. um because i just i'm like oh like i think you're manifesting your insecurities right now in them like <laughs> the teenagers that are on this earth right now are some of the most powerful humans and if like we can engage them and like help them see like the capacity that they have like they are amazing and they are doing amazing things but we just look at like little nitpicky things but like at the end of the day like they're growing up and they're learning just as much as the rest of us are so like stop judging their 16 or 17 year old brain with what your whatever age you are knows you know mm, that was um, great advice yeah the youth are pretty phenomenal awesome what a rewarding career it, you know we've had yeah. several seminary teachers uh, come on the show, and I just think they're the, the the cream of the crop. That's awesome. Where where are you teaching? Lehigh High, home of the pioneers. The Lehigh Pioneers. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was a big adjustment. Yeah. Suddenly you're in Utah County. Which I said. So when I was going through the hiring process, they asked me where I wanted to teach, and I I don't really know. Well, I want to be in Las Vegas. But not yet, maybe one day. Uh, but I was like, I will go anywhere except 
small town Idaho. And the man I was speaking with was like, it's okay. I think you would scare them. And I was like, (laughs) fair. And I said, and I don't, I got a big personality. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And I said, I don't want to go to Utah County uh, because I've been uh, told that I'm not married yet because my husband went to BYU and I chose not to. And I just can't, I just stick it to the man. Like, Oh. I'm never going there. Like, if he can't find me, it's fine. Yeah, um, that's his bad. That's yeah, his loss. Yeah, Forget sorry, buddy. <laughs> sorry, pal, you missed out. <laughs> um, so when I got the call of my placement, they were like, so are you so excited? And I was like, yeah, I'm so thrilled, so thrilled. They're like, well, uh, here's the thing. So about your placement and like beating around the bush. And I was like, I'm going to Utah County. And they're like, well, it is Utah County, but it's like, it's like almost not it's Utah almost County. It's almost not. There's only a slight point of the mountain dividing. It's on yeah. The border. yeah, yeah, right it's there. right there. And honestly, Lehigh has like grown on me. Like I don't want to be anywhere else except Las Vegas. It's all right. Clint and I are both Utah County guys <laughs> now. I mean, you know, yeah, so it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and and for our listeners, because not everybody's familiar with the church education system, mm-hmm. when we talk about release time and we talk about why. You wouldn't end up really in Vegas. Uh, most of the most of the places outside of Utah, Idaho, and Arizona are early morning seminary, and it's a calling. Right. There's no pay for yeah. it. You're not paid to do it. It's it's a calling, like as if you were teaching a Sunday school class. I admire so much early morning seminary teachers. Whereas here we have what's called release time. You choose it as a class. Yeah. During the day, and so you're teaching how many classes a day? Uh, I teach three classes a day out so of four. three classes a day out of four. Wow! So mm-hmm. yeah, so you've got the same students every day, and and there's actual seminary graduation and everything. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So oh, so cool. This has been awesome getting to know you. So now we're going to get into this new show that you guys have. But first of all, I have two things that we have to catch up with Clint on. Then we're going to yes. bring in as to why we're on the show. First of all, the first thing, Clint. Uh, this is not a big deal or anything, but since you were on the show, any awards pop up at all? <laughs> any awards, Clint? Oh, you know, just... Uh... <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, this is no. your chance. Oh, Go ahead and brag. Let's hear it. Uh, I hate, I hate no, I love it. I can see you squirming, but you deserve all the good. Go ahead. Yeah, I just got an Emmy Award. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? The bottom of the barrel these days, dude. Come <laughs> on, they'll give an Emmy to anybody. You got an Emmy award. Yeah, it's crazy. That is incredible. Tell us about your Emmy. So, I obviously the Emmy is it's for television, and I created a segment about a teacher that changed my life with a pair of drumsticks and. And I go back, you can and... hear the whole story. I, I should have looked up what episode it was with you, but you tell that story beautifully, and I still get emails about it, people telling me how inspired they are by you. Yeah, he changed my life, and uh, we put together the video, and I directed it, and casted it, and storyboarded it, and and it won an Emmy. So, That's amazing. Yeah, it was a really cool thing. I never, ever would have anticipated or guessed or thought that that would be a part of my story, but... It's awesome. Yeah, it's so yeah. wonderful. Congratulations. You deserve Thanks, dude. it. I appreciate it. Uh, and then last time you were on, your family consisted of two. You were a family of two. Tell us the size of your family now. Yeah, we have a little baby girl and then another <laughs> little baby girl on the way. Oh, man. Clint, I'm a that girl is. Dad. That is just... Girl dads are the best dads. Right? I, I, I love it. I. Kelly's like, we got to keep going until we have a boy. And I'm like, I'm okay with girls. Yeah. I just love them. It's just, I don't know. Girls it's are been, wonderful. It's been the best thing. And nothing, I'm sure sons are great too. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I always just, I always wanted a daughter. I always wanted a daughter. As, and, as a father of three daughters, I affirm they are wonderful. Yeah. And there's um, just, I don't know. And I just looked it up. Clint's episode is episode 12. It's available in our back catalog. And, and so uh, please go back and listen to Clint's whole story. But nothing but good, man. This is so exciting that yeah, you've got, you've got the daughter and got the Emmy. And man, just awesome we're, stuff. We're unemployed. You know, it's great. The world's <laughs> it's well, awesome. And, and <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. You know. Clint and I bumped into each other about a week Such ago. A and yeah, you know, Clint, you make a lot of your money speaking. When people are not gathered together. That's a little bit trickier. And yeah, I just, I really admire what you and 
former guests Rob Foray and Jeff Burke and Jason Hewlett and so many of you are struggling to figure it out right now, but you've done a great job with it. But let's talk about the good. Tell us about this show that you guys have. I want to hear all about it and how it came together. First of all, tell us the name of the show. The show's called Rising Gen. Rising and, Gen. Yeah. It's G-E-N, not J-E-N. It's not about someone named Jen. Yeah. yeah. Rising Gen <laughs> is in generation. Yeah, yeah Rising right. Generation. Yeah. yeah. So Rising Gen... So what is the show? One of you one of you tell us what the show is. Uh it's just this collaborative show between a few speakers, so uh Clint, Hank Smith and myself, and then we have a couple uh musical artists, Madeline Page and Oba Bonner. Um and we just get together and we have different speaking things. We speak together, we do a Q&A, uh just all for the youth, really. Um, like I mentioned earlier, like the youth are some pretty, some pretty powerful little humans and they've just like the rest of us, like what Clint was saying, like it's been a roller coaster, like it's, it's hurt them. And, um, I think this is just like kind of corralling around them, like reminding them, like you guys are incredible. Yeah. And when we say that you're going to be speaking together, so will this be a live experience? Is this going to be over video? Will this be broadcast? Tell us how people can participate in Rising Gen. So it's 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 going to be streamed. Uh, a, a, a good chunk of it has been pre-recorded. Um, but we have, I think there's going to be like some Q&A opportunities. There's going to be like some meet and greets where we can hang out with people and meet families. I think that's going down. Uh, it's just, it's a cool thing that we're putting together because originally the plan was to do it live. Like we were going to do a live event, uh, tickets were going to happen, people were going to show up and we were going to rock it for a a day Mm -hmm. and then, and then COVID hit and it was cool because 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 Covenant and Deseret Book it, they they pivoted they understood okay we can still do this we can still make it happen we can do still do something that's different but still impactful for the kids that need it and they were like let's let's make it make it make it virtual let's do it right let's let's invest in a set let's bring in some 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 fun people and let's create an event where we can impact some kids and, and will this be a one time thing or will there be multiple episodes? Uh, TBD. Okay. Yeah, I it I think it depends on how depends, good this one yeah. goes, and cool. I hope so. I hope they keep doing it. I yeah, I think it's needed. When when is this going to be? When can people actually watch this? Do we know yet? <laughs> Sometime in October. All yeah, right. yeah, I October. Like October is the month. Yeah, we don't know the exact date yet, but October. Yeah, and is. Covenant PR, like I said, reached out to us about having you guys on, which is great. Which means. They're getting ready for it. Covenant backing is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. How did this all come to be? And why don't each of you tell me how you got involved in it? Alyssa? Um, so from, well, I was kind of picked up on this because I do. So I do speaking things, mostly like youth conferences, um, young women's groups, whatever. And so I was kind of picked up from that because I do have this very direct in with the youth. I'm with the youth sure, a lot. Um, and I have a very deep passion for, for the youth um, in general. Uh, and so I was invited to come on because also like I'm female and there's not very many female youth speakers. Uh, no. Not that that like... So did Covenant reach out to you? Yeah, Covenant reached out to me. Okay. Um, just with like this general idea of like, this would be cool. Would you be interested? And they mentioned that they were wanting to invite Clint and wanting to invite Hank. And I was like, I like had followed Clint on Instagram like a year and a half ago or so just yeah, because it's Clint. And of course, we all know Hank. I've worked many summers of EFY, so I'm very familiar with with Hank and all of the stories about his children. Um, and so I was like, wait, you want me to be with Hank and Clint? Like, I feel like I'm kind of like this Shih Tzu in a wolf pack. <laughs> like, I'm just like oh, keeping geez. up behind the guys. People like, love Shih Tzus. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. love Shih Tzus. Very yes, endearing. Shih Tzu fan. That is awesome, man. I think that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. And Clint, how'd you get uh, pulled into this? So, I, my, my man, my life was changed as a kid listening to 
like Brad Wilcox sure. and Jack Christensen, Troy Dunn. Troy, do you know Troy, Sean? I don't know Troy. Uh, Troy, in my opinion, he's like the, the legend of oh, youth speaking. Oh, we need speaking. to have him on. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, I know Brad pretty well. And and they they I just they changed my life. I, yeah. And I would listen to I, I worked at like a frame shop, and I would build these picture frames, and I would just listen to these talks on mm. CDs, and they were just rad people that loved the Lord, and they connected with me as a kid. Yeah. And I wasn't going to be a speaker. That all kind of transitioned and changed, and I started speaking more, and Covenant reached out, and we had a conversation, and Gaina Lynn was a part of that. She introduced me to Covenant, and they said, we want you to make a CD. And I was like, whoa, like, I get a chance to maybe be somewhat of an influence like these guys were for awesome. me. That's and that's cool. what kind of opened the door to Covenant, and uh, and then they said, hey, we're doing this awesome event with Alyssa and Hank, and we want you to be a part of it. And I'm like, I'm in. So that's how it all That's happened. awesome. So you guys are doing all the prep for it now? And then at some point, you're going to be live streaming it and recording it, and people can see it later. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, a little bit. In a good sure. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the best pressure. And like I I haven't done as much as, as Hank or Clint, but... Um, Yet. Like, yeah. Yet. Yeah. Stay tuned, world. Uh, <laughs> but like I... They're so supportive and so kind, and like the persona that they are in in their their talks or their speaking events like that's exactly who they are like they supported me the whole time and like it i i had a good time awesome. a it was a time? party it was a party <laughs> that's it so was... great and and hank isn't here uh but for our listeners i think most of our listeners maybe know hank smith i think maybe outside of of utah you're not hit as much with the the speakers and whatnot but yeah. so tell us a little bit about hank because he hasn't actually been on the show before Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Hank's, Hank's Hank, a legend. Hank, where are you at? Yeah, Hank, where yeah. are you at, man? Uh, where Hank, are you, Hank, Hank Smith? Hank yeah. is very, very funny. Yeah. And he's probably, I mean, if not the top kind of, you know, he's he's he became the newer of what Brad Wilcox had started and, and yeah. John, by the way, and some of those. Yep. He is up on that level. So what a blessing. I mean, yeah. all three of you guys are just so awesome. It's It's unbelievably cool. Yeah, it's just fun to it's it's fun to make an impact. It's fun to do something that that it's something the families would gather around with, right? And watch it. It's something that uh, teenagers with questions or teenagers yeah. just want to connect, right? Like we're not doing a lot of us aren't. Well, we're kind of doing it now. We're, we're back to church, so that helps. Seminaries taking place, but mm-hmm. before all this, like there just wasn't you know a really. A, it was harder to to have those moments where we can talk about the gospel you can have those moments with your friends your peers and this was like another little caveat that still allowed that to happen so so cool if we've got parents you know we have a ton of parents who are listening who have teenagers and they're not sure where to go to find great content i mean i think other than hey i'm gonna search youtube where can they go if i'm a if i'm a parent with a teenager and i'm looking for this kind of stuff I mean, you know, it was easy when, when I was growing up in the late 1800s when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd go to Deseret Book, you'd buy a set of cassette tapes, and you'd listen oh, totally. to the cassettes. I this mean, that's is what, so foreign to me. What's a cassette yeah, tape? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm about to blow your mind when I tell you about VHS. So, <laughs> but that's what we had. That was all that we had. Right. But there was no bad. There, it, was, it was harder to find bad media. It was harder to find good media. It was harder to find bad media. I think a lot of parents get worried about... Hey, my kids have so much access to bad media. How do I help them? How what what tips do you have for parents to help them find good media for their kids? I so I think social media can be super rad. Um, I like I said I've been following Hank. I've been following Clint. Um, parents like follow what your youth are following on Instagram. Like be aware of what they're seeing and what they're reading. Um, I, my mom and I follow similar people as well. And so she's so cute guys. I have the cutest mom. She's so cute. She'll like, tell me something that Dave Butler posted on his Instagram. Mm. And she's like, did you see this? And it's just like, so, so cute, but like also very endearing, like social media can be smart. And if you're looking for uplifting things, um, I, 
we're all putting it out there. Like we're yeah. all putting this out into the universe and, and you can find it there for sure. I would say if you, if you look for good, you'll find it. Oh, totally. What you guys are doing is so important. Our youth are so valuable and it's easy as, you know, I have one teenager left still. It's easy to get down and to go, oh, this world and, and whatever. There has never been more good in the world. There's never been more bad, but there's never been more good. The access to good. I mean, the yeah. fact that we can pull up, you know, for, for home church, we've been a lot of times just getting on the Latter-day Saint channel and just flipping through videos yeah, and watching Hope Works and watching mm-hmm. messages yep. from conference. And, you know, we've never had such a time. And I think that you guys are doing just tremendous work. So super excited to see what comes and so glad to get to know you, Alyssa. Uh, anything else you want to share about what you have going on? Anything else you want to promote? Just just follow uh, Covenant Covenants uh, on online on Facebook. Uh, they're on Instagram as well, and they'll be promoting the event like crazy there. So if you want to find out more information, and then it's just a great resource for other great hopeful books, media, audio. It's just yeah. a great thing. So totally. yeah, for sure, Covenant. It's fantastic. Totally. So follow Covenant. What about following you guys on? Uh, on social media, anything you want to put out there? Oh yeah, you are more than welcome to follow me. My Instagram is your sis Alice. Your sis Alice. Oh, I, I just, it. it's just How kind great of is that? my. So I, as I've just been like navigating my role in the world, like my students call me Sister Edwards, and it has like. I genuinely feel like I just am like their big sis and I just want to put them all in my backpack and keep them all safe. Not like kidnapping. I just want to, <laughs> I, I just want to be their big sister. To nurture. To nurture. <laughs> and so, I love yeah. it. That could have gone two ways. So I'm glad, it went. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you veered the direction that you did. Uh, yes. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Clint, how about you? Mine's pretty generic. It's just Clint Pulver. <laughs> it's awesome. So, it's all you need. Yeah, There's only yeah. one. There's only one Clint Pulver. Well, I'm super, super excited to see how this turns out. I will be watching it with my own teenager, which I, I think is just wonderful. So awesome. We are going to wrap up this conversation with the question we ask all of our guests. And that question is, what does being a member of the church mean to you, Alyssa? We're only going to ask Alyssa. If you want to hear Clint's answer, go back to episode, episode 12. 12. He answered it there. But Alyssa? That's such a great, great question. Thanks for asking. Um, to me, being a member of the church is is continually uh, continually building my relationship with my heavenly parents. Um, I find at times I get comfortable, uh, but the world changes and I change, uh, so I continually need to refind them um, and relocate my savior, because he doesn't move. I'm the one that gets distracted. And the fact that the atonement is alive and the atonement is well so that I can regain my footing or regain my vision. Um, That's what it means to be a member of the church for me. Awesome. They are the, uh, I guess, hosts is the right word, the stars of the new uh, show coming out from uh, Covenant called Rising Gen. Mm -hmm. And we're super excited to have it. Clint Pulver and Alyssa Edwards, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You're the man. And my special thanks to Alyssa Edwards. Isn't she a great soul? And so good to have Clint back in the studio. They are incredible people, and I'm so grateful for them. And uh, this week in my Latter-day life, I'm generally grateful. As we are winding down the show, this is our last regular episode. There will be one more episode. Um, I'm not sure when that will come out. It may not be on Monday morning like normal. I'm still working on sort of putting it together. It'll be a retrospective a little bit. Some of my favorite episodes, as well as your favorite episodes, you can still actually email me or message me uh, if you want to send me what a favorite episode or favorite moment was. But this week, there are some people I just wanted to thank as we are wrapping it up. And and I'm so sorry if I'm sure there are a thousand people I should thank by name. Uh, I promise if I do not mention you by name, it is not a reflection of my gratitude. It is a reflection of my ADD and trying to put a list together. So I apologize but I am so grateful for so many people. But a few people I just wanted to give special mention. How thankful I am for Nick Galetti, who's my uh, partner in crime, not only in podcasts, but also now uh, as we are a barbecue team and we do competitions together. Uh, Nick knows so much about the podcasting world and audio in general. 
and just has spent so many hours helping me figure out equipment and uh, editing issues, and he's just been a tremendous support. Uh, Jason Bringhurst, who is one of my dearest friends in the world, he runs Rocky Mountain Sunshine Blog. He has been a sounding board on a very regular basis as I've reached out to him uh, to ask him what he thought of episodes and what he thought I should do about certain guests, and he's just a lifelong friend uh, whom I love very much. Brian and Sean Lords, who host the Word on the Main Street podcast, I'm so grateful for them. And uh, just all the support. They're the first podcast I ever did. And when I decided to launch this, I called Sean and he walked me through what equipment I should buy. And they've just been tremendous. Um, High Five Live on Facebook. We love the High Five Live crew. I always joke with uh, Corey and Gaina Lynn and, and all of them. Uh, and we've had almost all of them on the show. Uh, but I joke with them that we are sister uh, sister organizations between Latter-day Lives and High Five Live, and they've all been so, so supportive, and they are just wonderful. And in fact, on Facebook also, our entire Latter-day Saint podcasters group, it's a private group we have where we share with each other and support each other, and it's tremendous. Uh, I need to thank John Dye. Uh, John and his sweet wife, Jenny, were on the show, and John was working for Boncom, which was the uh, sort of PR and marketing for the church. And he specifically worked with the influencers. And I, I, we had so many of our guests were because John introduced me to them. And he is just a tremendous man and has become a dear friend, and I'm grateful for him. I, I would also thank uh, two, two people who have been friends and, and mentors in uh, Kurt Frankham and Richie Stedman, who are the hosts of uh, Leading Saints and the Cultural Hall. they've. By the way, all these people have been guests. And, uh, you know, you should go back and listen to all of their, their uh, conversations with me. But uh, Kurt and Richie have been super supportive, and they've been doing this forever, and I'm, I'm really grateful for them. Of course, Jason Hewlett, without him, we wouldn't have our running joke of how many episodes can we mention Jason Hewlett's name. Uh, but Jason has been so supportive of the show all the way along. I just talked to him uh, about two days ago, and uh, we were laughing again. Just He's just a, such an amazing guy, and I'm so grateful for his friendship and support all the way, the way through this. Uh, to Tracy Smith, my dear friend who designed our logo. We've had the same logo for three years, and Tracy designed it uh, no charge to me. Uh, and it was just so good of him to do, and it's an awesome logo, and I appreciate it. On a more personal note, I'm so grateful to my mom and dad. Uh, yes, I am 50, almost 50 years old. About a year and a half, I'll be 50, and I still love getting the support of my mom and dad. What a blessing they are. I'm so grateful that they listen to the show every week. They are my biggest fans. They remind me of that all the time. They always listen to the show, and then they text me how much they loved certain things about certain guests, and they'll interact with my guests on social media, and I'm just grateful for them. I'm so thankful for my kids who have put up with having so many guests come through our home. My kids have been amazing to try to stay quiet, and what a blessing it's been for them to get to meet so many of my incredible guests. And I think most of all, I really need to thank my my dear sweet wife, Vanessa, Boy, has she put up with a lot over the last three years. I'm reminded of uh, kind of two extremes. One was when Yosamo came over. Uh, the, the the two guys who do the Yosamo videos came over, and the only time that we could meet was at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so they came over, and they're such good guys. But I'm sure we were loud at 4 a.m. while everyone was sleeping, and we recorded. And conversely, uh, Mitch Davis, who was uh, the director of The Other Side of Heaven and The Other Side of Heaven 2. The only time he could meet because he was out promoting films was at about 11 at night. We recorded until about 12.30 and then uh, such beautiful sacred time. He and I spent another hour or so, hour, hour and a half, just sitting in my living room talking and and uh, what a blessing it was. But he was here until 2 o'clock in the morning. And through all this, my wife has never complained. She's never once, never once complained at all, and instead she has uh, just made sure that the the house is is ready and, and a, a wonderful place for people to come visit. She's made sure that we have water bottles and and uh, that the house is quiet. She locks up our dogs and 
you know, my wife will never go in front of a microphone or in front of a camera. That's not her way. But she is such a quiet, strong, dedicated servant of God behind the scenes. And she has been that for me. She has been such a a foundational part of this show, as well as taking the photos at the end of the interviews. We, we step out and into our hallway, and my wife comes in and, and takes our photos. I love my wife, and I am so grateful I could not have done this show without her and her support. I want to thank all of our guests. We've had more than 150 guests on. Most of them have come into our home and have shared their lives. Some have something to promote, but so, so many of them uh, just come in just to share share the gospel and build the kingdom. And that has been the goal all the way along. And I've had the greatest guests far beyond what I ever could have imagined. And I want to save my last thanks for our listeners, for you. You've opened your hearts, your homes, your headphones, however it is you you listen to us every single week. And the messages I've gotten do not go unnoticed. The incredible words that you sent, but boy, it was amplified this week. And I have been emotionally brought to tears multiple times this week. I got a letter, uh, I mentioned on the show one time that I I met a cousin because of the show. We didn't even know we were cousins, Monty, and now now we are very, very close. He sent me a letter this week that that I had to stop and start three times because it so brought me to tears. Um, a listener called me today, and we were talking about the show, and, and what he shared was just so touching, what it's meant to all of you. You have meant the same to me. Your messages of support, I have felt your love and support as we've gone forward with this show, and I'm so very grateful. There is no show without listeners, and the fact that it built up to be such a big audience still blows me away, and I'm grateful for you, and I will miss having those regular interactions. Um, and, and again, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I just know it's right for the show to stop now. Will we ever start it up again? I, I really don't know, but I know that right now is the time to to focus on other things. I'm so grateful for my Savior. I'm so grateful for the Spirit, for the Spirit that told me to get up one morning and to go start a podcast. And I'm grateful three years later for that same Spirit that's told me to focus on other things. This is the true church. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. I'm so grateful for Him, for a loving Heavenly Father who sustains us in all of this work. When I look at the past three years, I realize never has a man been so blessed. I don't know what I did to deserve such a rich blessing, to just be a tiny, tiny part of this work, and to meet so many incredible people and have these experiences. I will be grateful for the rest of the eternities for all of this. And I think that's about all we've got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.